Amen. Welcome and thank you so much for being here. If you guys continue to move further that way, I'm going to have to move this trailer. Uh, I don't know if I smell or if y'all are just retreating to the shadows, but every Sunday y'all move further and further away, which is a, a unique experience. I like the back wall in our sanctuary that keeps y'all from sitting too far away, but it seems like right now you guys can't get far enough away from me. I'm trying not to allow that to be uh, personally offensive, but it's a real challenge for me right now. Thank you guys for being here. We have a wonderful crowd, no doubt. Part of that is because at the end of our service this morning, we will recognize our graduating high school seniors. For those of you who are watching from home, uh, just know that we will go through our entire service and kind of close out the normal uh, portion of that. And then at the end, we will recognize our seniors. So uh, we would love for you to hang around and be a part of that with us. Uh, but we do welcome you here at this earlier time. God's been good. To, I brought a fan today. This is my new preaching fan, which I'm actually pretty proud of. Uh, but God gave us a breeze today, so uh, I'm thankful for all the things that we have. And thank you so much for being with us. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. The book of Hebrews, chapter 3. We're going to read the first few verses there in Hebrews 3. And I'm going to ask you, if you would... To please stand with me in honor of God's word as we read verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all things, uh, faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in hope. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you and ask that you would visit with us this morning as we have gathered together. We ask that as we consider Jesus, that Jesus would make a difference in our lives. But Lord God, we also come to you in a moment of turmoil across our state and country. And Father God, we pray that the powerful Holy Spirit of God would move among people, not only who are gathered in worship places this morning, but all across our land, that you would bring peace, that, Lord God, you would bring protection, that, Father God, you would allow for voices to be heard, but, Lord God, we also pray that you would allow, Lord God, for peace to reign supreme. Lord God, give us wisdom in these difficult days, and, Lord God, as we look to Jesus, may we be reminded that he, the author and the perfecter, the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord God, will one day see all evil and oppression put under his feet, that, Father God, what we know as pain and suffering, Lord God, tears and death will be erased. Father God, there will be no more plagues or pandemics. Lord God, there will be no need for protests. For, Lord God, in that day, Jesus Christ will be all in all. Father, I pray that today we would get a small taste of the glory of Jesus, even as we gather in this beautiful weather to worship you. Please, God, be honored. Move among us and speak. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You know, 2020 has not turned out quite the way that I had anticipated. So far, it's not been at all what I anticipated. As we got into 2020, my greatest anticipation was June 18th because I was going to celebrate my 15th wedding anniversary. Y'all, I'm so excited that that woman would stay married to me for 15 years that I don't know what to do. So I was anxious. But of course, 2020 has been something entirely different. It's become one of the most dramatic years of my entire life. The new decade began with images of widespread wildfires out of Australia. An Iranian general was killed in an American airstrike. Prince Henry and Meghan Markle resigned from royalty. Who would have anticipated? Coronavirus began to spread in China. The President of the United States was impeached. Kobe Bryant died. The U.K. left the EU. Democrats couldn't make, make their caucuses and primaries work. COVID-19 decimated Italy. COVID-19 decimated New York City. Camden, South Carolina became a major outbreak center for the virus with multiple deaths and an infection rate higher than anywhere in our state and higher than most of the places in our country. The economy was shut down. Unemployment reached rates higher than the Great Depression. The Olympics were canceled. School was canceled. There is no baseball. We have seen over 100,000 people die in our own country. And then just this past few weeks, we've seen video capture a handcuffed man being slowly killed by a police officer. And now our country is burning in the midst of protests and riots. The fabric of our civilization is being stretched. And I want to go back to 2019. I would like to pretend like none of this happened. But we can't go back. Instead, we have to live in 2020 and chart a path forward. We have to chart a path forward in uncertain times with unprecedented challenges. The economy is struggling. COVID-19 continues to spread. Many of the elderly and those who are medically high risk are scared today. Racial tensions are high, and many of my black brothers and sisters wonder if their voices are heard. We cannot go back. But what in the world helps us to move ahead? As Southern Baptists, we do not live within the liturgical calendar of the church. But if we were a part of the liturgical tradition, today we would be celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Now what was Pentecost? You may be reminded that the Sunday that is reflected upon on Pentecost Sunday was the Sunday upon which the Holy Spirit of God arrived at Pentecost in the book of Acts. There on that Sunday, a fire started that still burns. But it burns not in protest, violence, or oppression. The fire of the Holy Spirit burns with holy ambition, igniting and propelling the gospel mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. On that Sunday, the fire of the Holy Spirit kindled a fledgling band of believers to move forward with the message of Christ. And today as we look upon the smoke and fire that has ravaged our land, as we look upon the casualties of a pandemic, we do not mourn as the world mourns. We mourn as followers of Jesus, filled with hope for better days, because we know what He is capable of. So this morning I urge you, with the writer of Hebrews, in difficult days, in dark days, in hard days, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Now, there are two ways that we might consider something. We might, for instance, consider this thing as opposed to that thing. Maybe this morning I could consider whether or not I would wear this shirt or perhaps wear another shirt. 
This morning I looked in my closet and there was this shirt and hanging right beside it was a flannel shirt. It was not difficult for me to make a decision based upon the consideration of the weather outdoors and the fabric of those two shirts as to what shirt I was going to wear. So in that context, much of the consideration that we would do is essentially to consider in a way that means to compare. But another way that we might consider something would be to focus on it. One dictionary definition says that we might perceive, remark, observe, or understand. We might even go so far as to consider attentively or to fix our eyes on something. Rather than comparing, we see, we focus, we behold something. Wednesday, it rained all day long. It rained outside and it rained inside. And I mean that here because our offices decided to leak. It was a wonderful day. Thursday morning, the skies cleared and the sun tried to shine, but it was just foggy. And as I drove in to work on Thursday morning, occasionally I drive around to the back side of the building and I just look to make sure that, you know, everything is as it should be, as normally it is. But I drove around just to the back edge of our building when I pulled in Thursday morning and I, I looked across the field and there in the, the misty morning, I saw something. And I focused on that thing. And I strained to focus on that thing. And I rolled the window down to clear the fog off my window so I could see what it was. And as I looked, and as I focused, and as I considered what it was, I was just able to make out the faint twitch of a tail. And to see the ears on the head. And so just before it moved, I was able to determine that what I was looking at was what I thought I was looking at. And then as it bound away, I knew for sure that what I had seen was a large doe standing in the middle of the field as the sun came up early on Thursday morning. To focus, to behold, to consider this morning, it's that idea of consider that the writer of Hebrews would have us to keep in mind as he urges us to consider Jesus. Not to compare, not to contrast, not to look at all the options. This morning he says, focus, behold, consider Jesus. And so today... This morning on May the 31st, 2020, graduates of 2020, those of you watching at home, those of you gathered here with us today, let me urge you, consider Jesus. But why should you consider Jesus? This morning, I want us to see three good reasons. The first reason that we see this morning that we should consider Jesus is because Jesus is better than other teachers. Jesus is better than other teachers. Now, the writer of Hebrews is going to go over and over and over again to talk to us about Moses. Moses comes up repeatedly. And the reason that Moses comes up repeatedly is because even though the Jewish people worshipped the God of the Old Testament, it was Moses whom God spoke through, through the book of the Exodus there on Mount Sinai and all the other places, it was Moses whom God used to essentially create what we know of as the Jewish religion. It was Moses whom God used to give the law. 
And, to, and it was Moses whom God used to give the direction. Of course, it was Moses whom God used to rescue the people from bondage in Egypt and to lead them into freedom where they would eventually walk into God's promised land. And so Moses among men was the most revered by the Jewish people. They saw him as a sort of great father. He was their great high priest and king who had led them into God's holy land. And yet the writer of Hebrews wants to make sure that they understand that though Moses was a faithful high priest, that though Moses was faithful among the things of God's house, that Moses is inferior to the great high priest who is Jesus. Folks, Jesus is better, is better than other teachers. He's better than Moses, but it isn't just Moses. Jesus gives more peace than Buddha. He's more powerful than Muhammad. He's smarter than Socrates. He's a better philosopher than Plato. Jesus is a better neighbor than Mr. Rogers. He knows more science than Bill Nye. He's freer than Freud. Einstein's theory sought to explain the world. But make no mistake about it, it was Jesus who spoke that world into being. All of these things are important for us to keep in mind. We live in the information age. We exist at a time when there is more information than we can process. As a Christian, we need not be embarrassed by Jesus in the information age, for Jesus is better than all the teachers that the world could give us. He's the greatest teacher that has ever lived, and if you don't believe it, try him. Consider Jesus, but don't just consider him in comparison to others. Consider him with the focus, the laser-sharp focus of a person who wants to know what it is that this man, this God-man has to offer. Consider Jesus. When's the last time that you took the time to dig in and to consider what it is that Jesus has to say, what Jesus has to teach to you, what Jesus has to give to you? He is the greatest teacher who has ever lived. Don't miss that. Do you want to know how to manage your family? Consider Jesus. Do you want to know how to manage your finances? Consider Jesus. Do you want to know how it is that you should love your neighbor? Consider Jesus. Do you want to know how it is that we might find peace in this world? Consider Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Focus with a laser-sharp focus upon him and watch what he might do. So Jesus is better than other teachers. Second, this morning we see that Jesus is better than religion. Not only is Jesus better than Moses and all of the teachers who came before or after him, Jesus is better even than the house that Moses built. Do you understand that? Now the writer of Hebrews says that the person who built the house is of more honor than even the house that was built. Now that makes sense, right? Uh, if, if you've seen something that was built, we, we occasionally, uh, this, this building that's behind most of you, it's beside some of you, those of you that are sitting far away from me, I don't even know if you can see me. Uh, but uh, we've got this, occasionally I'll meet somebody and, and I'll introduce myself and inevitably I say, what do you do? I say, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. Oh, where are you a pastor at? I say, man, it's just in East Camden. You know how that place is. Just kidding. I don't do that. I say, I'm a pastor at Malvern Hill Baptist Church. And occasionally somebody will say, I helped work on that church. I, I did this. Now, here's what's pretty cool. Occasionally, in the past, I would even find somebody who could say, I helped work on that original sanctuary. There's a man in town that occasionally reminds me that he poured the concrete for our, our, uh, our for the gymnasium back there. He poured the concrete foundation. He helped to pour that concrete. 
If I see him soon, I'm going to remind him that the floor is buckling. I'm going to see if there's still a contract, on, a, a warranty on that. But those people who have who've invested their time and their efforts and their energy into building something, there's, there's a certain pride that comes with that. You know, you, you, you've heard of good builders. A, a house is going up in a new neighborhood. People immediately say, who's building the house? Why do they want to know who's building the house? Because when we find out who's building the house, we've got a pretty good idea about what kind of house is going to be built. And so what, what the writer of Hebrews says is the person who builds the house is of even more honor. So Moses, in many ways, was used by God to build the house. Do you understand that? The house that is the religious structure of the people of Israel. Moses was important as the builder of this house. God used him to lay the foundation stones and to set the parameters for how it was that the people of God would exist and behave. But the writer of Hebrews says, but as good as Moses is, Jesus is better. And as good as the house is, Jesus is better. The house that was built is the religion of Judaism. Do you understand? The house that was built is a religion of laws, of do's and don'ts, a list of how it is that we should live so that we might please God. What makes Jesus better than religion? Now, I'm a little careful with this because I understand that Christianity is a religion. I want to make sure that we're not playing word games here today. But what makes Christianity different from any other religion or religious system that our world has ever known? What makes Jesus far supreme to even the religious experience of the Hebrews, of the Jewish people, of the people to whom the writer of Hebrews was writing? What makes Jesus far superior is that Jesus is not just religion. Jesus is relationship. And why is that not just word games? Because what Jesus offers is so incredibly different. Religion says, do these things that you may be justified. A relationship with Jesus says, I, Jesus, did these things so that you might be justified. Religion says, keep this list of rules. Jesus said, I kept the list for you. Religion says, do this or else. Jesus said, you couldn't do it, so I did. Folks, that's what makes Jesus so much better. Because Jesus offers what no religion could ever offer. And that is hope. That is peace. That is salvation. Every other religion in the world is works-based. It is your responsibility to do enough to satisfy the expectations of that religion. But I urge you this morning, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, who has done it all for you. And has made it possible for us to not only experience salvation in this life and in the life to come. He's actually made it possible for us to live in such a way that we would bring glory, honor, and praise to Him. Jesus has made it possible for His followers to change the world. Ready? One relationship at a time. It's, it's important that we remember that Jesus gives us a great commission and a great commandment. But all of it is rooted in relationship. The relationship that he urges us to invite people to have with him. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Invite them into a relationship with Jesus. But he also reminds us that we are to love God and love our neighbor. Folks, the relationship that we invite people to have in salvation is made possible by the relationships that we have with other people. The conversations, the way that we love our neighbor 
our willingness to engage with a lost and dying world, to love them more than we love sometimes our own comfort, to love them more sometimes than we love our own security, to love them enough to invite them in. Jesus is better than religion. And finally this morning, Jesus is better than your best ideas. He's even better than my best ideas. I'm not sure if any of y'all laughed at that. I was hoping you would. But again, y'all are so far away, I can't even hear you. The wind is drowning everybody out. Have you ever had a bad idea? I mean like a real bad idea. This week I watched a video review of an invisible fence. You know what the invisible fence is? You know, with the, you, you put the, the, fence, the wire in the ground and give your dog the little collar and he can't run past it, theoretically. I watched the guy giving a review of an invisible fence. This seems like a pretty good idea. Um, if I was going to buy an invisible fence, I'd want, I'd want somebody to tell me I was buying the right one. I, I have a bad habit of, of, uh, of, of overanalyzing every purchase I ever make, which is not a really good thing. It drives Angela crazy. But if we were going to buy an invisible fence, I'd probably spend 27 hours reading reviews before I actually bought the fence. So I was watching a review. It seemed like a really good idea. However... It appears that strapping the shock collar on your own neck and attempting to cross the invisible fence is not a good idea. Y'all, I saw it. I mean, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. And the guy, the guy honestly, he said, hey, y'all, watch this. So many bad ideas begin that way. And he had a friend that was helping him, that loved him enough that as he approached that little fence and it started beeping, here's what his friend did for him. His friend reached out and grabbed that wire laying on top of the ground and threw it at him. And when he did, I, I kid you not, the guy, he, it, 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 he hit the ground. He's like, ah! It's terrible. Man, we've all had some of those bad ideas, haven't we? Hope, <coughs> I really hope you hadn't had one that bad. And if you have, please don't tell me. I, I respect all of y'all enough to not believe any of y'all would have enough or lack of sense enough to do something like that. I want to maintain... I want to maintain my positive opinions of your intelligence. We've all had those bad ideas. We've all had those bad moments when we look back and we praise God for saving us from them, haven't you? But I want you to know that Jesus doesn't just save us from our bad ideas. You know that Jesus saves us from our best ideas. He saves us from our best ideas. Jesus saves you from other teachers. Jesus saves you from religion. But, folks, Jesus saves you from yourself. Jesus is better than your best ideas. We're going to recognize our high school graduates in just a little while. And normally when we do that, we do that on a youth Sunday. And we, we recognize all of our students. We're... We're trying our best to put some of that on hold so that maybe we can do that in a way that would be a little bit more conducive. Uh, I promise you, we don't. Want, I, love, I love you guys. I don't want to put any of our teenagers through standing up here on this stage and trying to preach to y'all the way y'all are. This is a real challenge, and we're trying to find ways that we can love our kids and give them those opportunities in the future. But So normally, we, we recognize our graduates, and we take time on that Sunday to really dig in with our teenagers and and so I want to take just a minute to remind our teens, and especially our graduates, listen, you need Jesus to save you from religion. 
You need Jesus to save you from many of the, the ideas, the philosophies, and the teachers that exist in the world around you. But listen to me. As a man who's just a few years ahead of you, Jesus saves you from your best ideas, and that's a good thing. Because you can look back through the lens of experience and know that that really good idea you had in that moment 20 years later turned out to not look so good and Jesus was enough to rescue you from it. Jesus saves you from yourself. And folks, Jesus has saved me from myself. And I also want to remind us all that the greatest thing that we need to be saved from is not a teacher, it's not a religion, it's the sin that has invaded our lives and the sin that we embrace. See, we are born into sin, but make no mistake about it. None of us is forced into it. We willingly accept the sinful opportunities that come our way. We desperately need Jesus to save us from ourselves. And he does. And he does. Jesus is the king who sees us in our sin and rescues us from the miry pit in which we are drowning. Jesus is the one that sees us in the middle of our bad ideas and rescues us from them so that we might be saved. You see, your ideas can do a lot. But even your best idea doesn't compare with God sending Jesus. Your ideas can do a lot, but they can't make you holy and righteous. Your ideas can't save you. I have this long-term goal of living on a small farm. We're not sure if this is a realizable goal in my life. My oldest daughter tells me it isn't. I'm not sure why she roots against me that way. But perhaps we will, perhaps we won't, but I want you to know that it doesn't matter if it's a, a goal about where you'll live or how you'll work. It doesn't matter if it's an idea about how you might do this or how you might change that. Nothing that you'll come up with will ever compare with Jesus. And folks, if we are wise, we will regularly pray, Lord God, I'm planning in this direction, but Lord God, would you intervene if need be? Lord God, these are my desires, but Lord God, my desires might not be rooted in your holy plan and desires. Lord God, these are my plans, but Father, you might have something better. Graduates, let me urge you to commit your life to Jesus. To allow him to direct your steps and your paths. To hide his word in your heart that it might guide you. But folks, let me also come all the way back and step away from just the practical advice I would give you about Jesus leading and directing your life to a reminder that Jesus is more than a help in hard days. Jesus is more than a map or a guide. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he came to set you free from your sin. Jesus lived and died so that we might experience his salvation and so he's better than any teacher. He's better than any religion. He's better than your best ideas. But folks, what's he best at? Make no mistake. Saving sinners. I was honored yesterday to be able to participate in a funeral for uh, Julian Morris. I know many of his family members are here today. Brother Julian was such a, uh, a wonderful part of our church for a number of years. 
But I just loved his testimony. His testimony of salvation. His testimony of answered prayers. And such an incredible reminder that God is patient, wanting that none should perish. And so, folks, I stand before you today, and I say, consider Jesus. You say, but Craig, I'm 35 years old. I'm 45 years old. I'm 75 years old. What could Jesus have to offer? And I say, consider Jesus today. He's better than your best idea. He's better than the religions you've pursued. He's better than the philosophies you've considered. He's greater than any teacher you've known. He's the greatest hope for all of mankind. And no matter where you are, where you've been, if you will consider Jesus, let me tell you, you will find in that focus, you will find in that beholding, you will find in that contemplation that Jesus stands ready to save you today. So I invite you today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, whether you're at home, whether you're gathered here in this parking lot, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I invite you today, consider Jesus. Not a passing glance. Not a passing glance, but to consider Jesus. Every once in a while, I ask my kids to get something for me. Let's not talk about my kids. Every once in a while, Angela asks me to find something for her. Usually it's in the refrigerator, and I open the refrigerator door, and I say, honey, I don't see it. And you know what she always asks me? Did you look? Well, of course I looked. I opened the door. It's not there. And y'all, one of the most frustrating things in 15 years of marriage is that I searched the refrigerator up and down only to have her reach over my shoulder and grab it out from in front of me. I don't know how she magically makes these things appear. But I have a suspicion. See, I have a suspicion that unintentionally a lot of times in my life, I look, but I don't focus. I glance, but I don't consider. I might be in the presence of an object, but I don't take the time to take it in. And I suppose that that would be my greatest concern for many of you gathered here today or those of you watching at home. There are many of you who have seen Jesus from afar. Maybe almost as though you were staring across a foggy or misty field, seeing an object in the distance. But you glance at the object and you just move on about your business. And today I would urge you, don't just glance at Jesus and move away. Consider Jesus. Behold Jesus. Focus on Jesus. And as you do, you will discover that He is not only a better way. He's the best way. He's the only way. And he's the hope for all of mankind. 2020 hasn't gone the way that I hoped. But Jesus is God over pandemics and plagues. He's a great physician over every virus the world has ever known. He's the answer for the racial division that our world knows today. He's the hope for all of eternity. He's the king, I tell you. And the day is coming when he was said all things are right. But until the day when all things are right, let me invite you to experience him today and to have your life made right through the power of Jesus Christ.
Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you'd be at work, Lord. I pray, God, for those who are gathered with us. Lord, those who are gathered physically in this space, those who are gathered online in their homes. Father, I'm confident that among the several hundred people who are sitting under the preaching of my voice, who are hearing this prayer this morning, that there are some who do not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord God, there are probably some who say, I, I don't really know what that means. And so, Lord God, as we pray today, I pray that you'd work in the power of your Holy Spirit. Just as at Pentecost, Father God, when you took the words of Peter as he preached them, and you, Lord God, miraculously invaded those words so that all the people in that hearing heard the words of the gospel being preached in their own voice. Lord God, I pray that today you would take the words of this preacher, Lord God, and you would miraculously work in such a way that the weak words of this man would be heard in the heart language of all the people who are listening today. That, Father God, you would give hope in the name of Jesus. That, Father God, there would be some today who perhaps in their own den, maybe sitting in a truck bed or a lawn chair, who today would just say, Lord God, I don't really know what the next steps are, but I know that I'm a sinner, and Lord God, I want you to save me. Perhaps there's some that say, God, I don't know if I'm ready to take that step, but Lord God, I want to consider Jesus. God, I pray today that you would push away all the distractions and allow Jesus to become the focal point of their, of their lives. And in so doing, find hope and peace. Work among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.